Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Be Dratty. With fall approaching, we've got to talk about the crew neck sweatshirt, the Be Dratty crew neck sweatshirt. We have a few left available in our pro shop, uh, and then you can get it at pro shops all across the country that offer them. This sweatshirt is amazing. It's got, you know, it's made with very soft cotton. It's a shirt that, it's a sweatshirt that you just want to live in. I wear mine way too much. I have two of them and they are basically always on when I'm lounging around the house. Um, this sweatshirt is got a really neat design. I was with Billy uh, Dratty this weekend, actually. We were talking about it. And one of the coolest parts of this design is the kangaroo pouch that you see a ton on hoodies, but rarely see it on a crew neck sweatshirt. Kangaroo pouch, it's it's great for fall mornings because if it's a little cool, you got somewhere to put your hands, you can put stuff in there. But this sweatshirt, you know, the toughest thing about it is that Mrs. Friday is always stealing it, uh, wearing it. So that's why I have two of them now. So you can check out that in the pro shop. We have uh, only a few left there, but also available on bedratty.com and in participating pro shops. If your pro shop doesn't have it, I'd ask for it. You, you're going to want it on uh, with the fall weekends coming up and, you know, perfect perfect uh, sweatshirt to sit on the couch and watch uh, watch golf, watch football, whatever it is on these cooler days. So bedratty.com and that's the crew neck sweatshirt. Now back to part two of our uh, latest episode with Jeff Shackelford. So in part two, we get into the players kind of speaking up about what's going on and on tour with slow play technology. So if you missed part one, be sure to go check it out. I get a lot of good feedback from people uh, saying they really like Jeff's commentary on, on a wide variety of subjects. So without further ado, here's part two of our conversation with Jeff Shackelford. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. So you know, while we're while we're on the subject, uh, we you know I feel like we all have been saying nothing will change unless the players start speaking up. And you know, at the end of the right. year, we started to see players speaking up about slow play and even technology. What uh, yeah. do you think this is a the start of a? You know, they say that the NBA right now is in this like player empowerment era where players actually are running the league and you know they they dictate where they go and and dictate the teams much more so than even the GMs. Yeah. Do you feel like we're going to go we're heading towards this era where like we're actually going to get what we want and players are going to start speaking up when something's, you know, they think something's wrong? I think we're there already in a lot of ways. Um, I mean the players have dictated 
uh, some elements of the schedule and the Olympic format and different things like that. They were very influential on. Uh, I think the way to determine your the answer to your question is the schedule. And if if more players do what Rose and McElroy did in saying, I don't know if this is the best way to do the major season long term. Um, that could snowball and that would be the thing that could, that could make them revisit some elements of the major schedule. I don't know how many they can. I mean, it's really tricky. Um, but I, I could see that if, if it snowball being the sign that, yeah, the players have, have, um, kind of taken over, but if they, they don't, then, 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 then maybe they're not quite there yet. Um, I mean, they already, you already saw it this year with the schedule, in terms of just how how many players just said no, I'm not I'm not playing there um, the week before a major when they're now this compacted. They, so they already have kind of spoken with their with their appearances and where they played, and then Brooks has kind of spoken with the way he plays at tour events versus majors. Um, even though it's something he is he is trying to improve on, he does he wants to play well every week. He just he just doesn't. So. Uh, I think we're getting there. And um, so I thought when you meant player empowerment, you mentioned that I thought you were referring more to kind of the, the delusional at times statements that some players make uh, having been empowered by the fact that they can hit the ball 340 and uh, their misses. They, they, they do not know the pain, agony, and mental suffering caused by a true snap hook or um, some of the other awful things that happened with the old equipment, which I, nobody really wants to go back to, but you do realize that, that the equipment at one time did probably humble more players than it does now. And that humbling is, uh, is, 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 is probably a good thing. Um, and there is a lot less of that going on. So I thought that's what you, you also meant in the well, empowerment thing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Medina, in, in a way, I think that yeah, that was that was a crazy week, and the comments that came out of that week, I, I I'm shocked at how undercovered they were. Really, when you had you had three players, three great players, a generation like three of the best players of their generation speak out about about equipment and how easy it is to hit the driver. Yeah, well, but hey, Jack Nicholas, Bobby Jones, Tiger Woods have all spoken on this topic, and people belittle them. They don't. They don't just blow them off. They actually have made fun of them. And 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 you know, Jack couldn't make a golf ball, or I, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear. Well, that's because Tiger says that now because he can't he can't hit it anywhere. It's like when well, he can still hit it a long way. And no, 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 they're not speaking from a place of trying. To benefit their game. In fact, I would say Tiger, Tiger avoided the topic and lied about his views to not be seen as as wanting a change in the rules of equipment uh, to better uh, benefit himself. When he looks back at his career, he will be able to say, "No player in the history of our sport." had to deal with bigger changes in uh, equipment than I did. And I overcame all of them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that's not to knock the other people who won majors. He just 
in the time that he played, we saw the biggest changes in everything, ball and, and clubs. And he overcame all of that. Um, and, but you also wonder, did he, did it cost him? Did, 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 did the equipment elevate some people just enough to beat him a few times? Or did the equipment nullify his genius just a tiny bit? I mean, that's where Phil has finally come around. It took him way too long to figure it out. But he, you could tell. Some of his comments, he figured out that um, there's some people who are, who are very nice players. <laughs> no disrespect, but they kind of got a little bit better with today's stuff. And uh, some of the shots that I can play, they don't have. Um, but they don't need my shots anymore because the way the game is played. And so Adam, that's been Adam's view. Uh, he came to that conclusion. Adam Scott, I think, was one of the ones you were referring to. Mm-hmm. I didn't like his blaming the architects. That was I have to have a. I'm going to try to have a chat with him about that because um, he's he's a great guy and he's really bright. And his dad is really passionate about this topic as well. And that's where he gets a lot of his. That's his sounding board on on this. Uh, question of technology and he just sees that he is somebody whose swing repeats so well and he is such a superior ball striker and 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 a lot of his superiority in that department is nullified by by uh kind of the the muting of of certain skills and that's going to be the big part of the discussion this fall i think scott had like arguably the best statistical season of his career this year yeah. And he, you know, he was pretty irrelevant, which is crazy. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, because even if you're right, he, like Tom Kite had some years like that where his numbers, if he were in this and the stats era we're in now, would have been amazing. And But he wasn't a good putter, but he still, he was still rewarded for the way he played the game and the consistency and the precision. And Scott, being a mediocre putter, uh, it's it's bad. It's exposed in a way that's that seems a little bit disproportionate. Yeah, I mean, that, he was you know, even... the way he hits the ball should 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 allow him to be uh, uh, standing out more. What what do you think about like the? I've, I've thought about this a lot, and and the way golf courses are presented, and the attempt to make them the same week in week out with the setup, the conditioning, because then we go over the open and we always like, I always marvel at the open leaderboard. And I'm like, God, this is, these are different players. You know, Mm -hmm. there's different styles on this leaderboard and week in week out on the tour, you know, they strive to set up the golf course within their kind of parameters. I mean, shouldn't there be, a lot of different surfaces kind of, I mean, we talked a little bit about tennis earlier, but like there are different types of surfaces for different and different types of players succeed on them. Yeah, I guess I would say, I mean, the one thing I've learned watching the guys set up is that they all have different philosophies. I mean, Steve Rintoul doesn't like a lot of rough. So when they come to Riviera, he feels like the architecture is so good that why, why would I, why would I hide it in rough plus they don't overseed? You know, he takes into consideration some of the elements that he had that are that, that he, the ingredients he's given. So his decision on that is partly agronomic and the time of year. Uh, John Much 
loves a U.S. Open setup. So Torrey Pines is set up tough. So I think there's more variety than people realize. It's just it seems like the tour uh, schedule tends to go mostly to places at, a, at times a year when the uh, conditions are really not optimal <laughs> to highlight the course is strongest features or to set it up in a way where they really have true control. It just seems like they go to a lot of places where it's just either past the prime season or just before and it rain or it's the time of year it rains more than, you know, it's, it's odd. It's an odd schedule that way, but it also, you can't really see any other way. So, and then I mean, with the way the game's played, there's just only so much you can do and you, you, you can only, Talk, you, know, you can only highlight so much strategy uh, before it, it's, it's just impossible when people can hit the ball as far as they do and overwhelm uh, the architecture. Yeah, I, I mean, it's true. It's, I mean, when do you hit in wedge? And that's why Adam's comments annoyed me because, like, you know, what can the, arch- the architects, like, don't blame the architects. <laughs> like, they can't. You can't design for some of these things. You just can't. Yeah, it's. The only, it's just, there's, it, the ball's perfect because it, you know, it spins on short shots, it doesn't spin on long shots, and and it just, yeah you know, if you hit wedge into every green, it's, it, tuck pins don't matter that much. No, I mean, the shot that I think you'll you'll see the USGA, uh, yeah, like Hootie Johnson seized on that Phil Mickelson shot where he had a little tiny wedge in his hand i think it was in practice at the masters and he was driving around in a car with tom fazio and he walked out to look at the sprinkler head to see what the number was into 11 and then that led to the the monstrosity that that's the 11th uh, tee and fairway and that whole mess um i think the one is justin thomas and i don't remember the hole but a medina he was in the right rough pin was tucked so tight uh to the to the right front of the green behind a bunker and I know it was soft and it rained, but he, he, he was in deep stuff. And, and of course, people were belittling the rough there. And, and then everybody who I talked to who was there said, no, it was brutal. The rough was brutal. And he spun it, it was thick rough. out of the rough. And I, I, I believe it was on Saturday. And uh, I tweeted it and just said, here you go. This, that's like, there's your example right there of uh, that, that he's at the wrong angle of attack. Uh, he's in the rough it's hay it's brutal it's you know he's got a bum wrist which so it's not a lot of fun for him to go after shots in the rough anyway because one wrong move i know as a as having had a bad wrist in golf uh you you it's always in the back of your mind that uh, out of a lie like that you're going to re-injure it and he and he not only hits it tight it just it just grabbed it's <laughs> like okay it's time that's that's a combo uh, platter of grooves and distance there. Um, and that's one I just know that they'll sit and look at and go, well, how is, how is skill being, I mean, that's, it's skill. It was skillful for him to play the shot, but is that really, um, manageable? Is this really how we want the game to be played? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the problem is that you can hit driver and get that wedge on almost every golf hole, every par four. Doesn't matter what the length is. And we have numbers that that tell you that you're stupid over the course of the year to not play that way. 
you're 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 not going to you're not going to survive out here. The 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 money is made by the people and Tiger got into this uh, who 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 play that game and when on the weeks it clicks you're going to have a very good week and you're going to you're you know all you need as Tiger said are three or four weeks. Did you think when he said that uh, somebody was was rolling their eyes at me? I felt like that was a subliminal message to the tour when he said the three or four weeks thing, because he said it before, but I, or he said a few good weeks before, but he said three or four this time. Did you think that was just sort of a subtle way of back to our conversation earlier of saying that this is what you want for a product where guys just need to have three to four good weeks. You, you really want that. Um, I, or am I, am I reading too much into it? I, well, I think it, it goes hand in hand with the distance thing, you know? Because yeah, it's you've it, there's the ability if you hit the ball really far right now there's the ability because of how important driving's become you know driving's almost as important as approach now iron play which is like no pure. no it's more important uh if you look, no if, if you, it, it's it's really so if you look at the tour championship and and like who's gotten there from two thousand seven to it's become it's on like a just a straight downward to the bottom and a, approach play has always been highly valued of the top 30 players on tour and driving is catching up if not RA caught up so it's it's pretty much turned into an equal right so if you're if you're that type of player it it's just you have this you have an ability with the driver to be very below average at everything else, and then just occasionally you get a hot putter and you win. That's the Cameron Champ model, and he has a horrible short game. And you just—that's just—he uh, just needs to be healthy and have three to four good weeks, and 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 uh, he'll so overwhelm a course with his driving that uh, he'll have a great week. I think Matthew Wolf is more de- a more complete player than that, so he won't be that way, but but he has a similar mindset or will be successful because he can do the same thing. He just may have more, more game. Um, and, and Victor Hovland definitely has a more well-rounded game, but he's still very heavily, uh, relying on, on, on the driving and the overwhelming of course that way. So he's still part of that, of that, uh, way to play the game. And why not? That's the way it's, it's set up until somebody says otherwise. Yeah, and, and, and the problem, and this goes back to our earlier discussion with shorter careers. If 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 distance is going to be such a big thing, you know, the young, younger generation is always going to outpace the the guys on tour, right? Right. You know. Right. So yeah, no, and, and yeah, it'll be who's youngest and most limber, and and yeah, can get and then and 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 less likely to have been injured. Yeah, and who's seen Joey D the most lately, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and that is another part of this that, that again, that story in The Athletic uh, didn't even really get on, and because it's a whole story on its own, um, is is the injury factor. And, you know, I, I won't be surprised if we see a point where Justin Thomas uh, says, you know, I've, I've, I've been working with my dad to kind of change a couple things in my swing, to, to not be so reliant on on speed and attacking the ball because I want to prolong my career. Uh, yeah, I can see that 
Um, because, because, the, and, then you, and you, you hear it all the time. I gave, uh, uh, Charles Howell a hard time on uh, Instagram. He put up a thing of his son going after, you know, pursuing speed <laughs> and, he, and he's got a great clubhead speed. He's a little lefty and he, and he just, just goes after it. But I, I wrote him back and I go, great. Another, another parent all in on speed, you know, and there's a guy who's had this great long career of making just a ton of money, um, be trying to trying to get better, but trying to be a complete player, not trying to be a bomber. And then, and then yeah, he is. But he, he's right. I mean, it's what you got to. That's the way the game's gonna be played until somebody says otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. But it's it's just dumb, though. I mean, it's terrible. You're gonna have more injuries. Is it more fun? Is it what golf? Is it what made golf great? There's a long list of things, and of course, the answer to all those things is no. It's none of those things. It shouldn't be. And and the game's beautiful when it's played by people with uh, all sorts of skills that aren't speed related against maybe somebody who does have great club head speed. It's the variety of styles is a beautiful thing. That's just gone. Yeah. Like when you used to watch uh, Jim Furyk battle uh, Ernie Els or VJ Singh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or my, my example, I was, you know, the, to me, it was just an amazing thing when Corey Pave and, oh, and Fred yeah. couples were, were the two of the best two completely different ways of playing the game. Although they did have one thing in common. They both moved the ball well and they liked to move the ball. And, uh, and it was fun to watch them move the ball in different ways. Corey's was like a drop kick funky thing. And Fred's was his big, beautiful high cut, but he could hit a draw better than people realized. And, and that's why he won the masters and could play Riviera and could play a lot of places and, and loved to do that. I mean, how many guys love to move the ball now? Does Bubba even like doing it? I think he just does it because that's how he plays. But That's the only guy I can think uh, of that really moves it, you know? It's the only guy. Yeah, it, you which know, is Justin, amazing. Uh, Justin Rose is one of the amazing players when you look at his career. Because like, he, he's the one guy I feel like that's actually successfully chased distance. He has, and it's because he's smart. He 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 uh, he looks at the numbers. He has smart people around him, and he and he he realizes that he had to he had to do it. And um, good for him. That's made him very rich. Now for a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Whether on the course or in the market, it helps to have a second set of eyes to keep you on your game. That's why TD Ameritrade's Trade Desk is here to help gut check your strategies so you always feel confident teeing up a trade. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg to learn more about what their trade desk can do for you. Member SIPC. Now back to Jeff Shackelford. So I change of gears. Uh, I was curious as, you know, you're a legendary architecture writer and, uh, I wanted to no, get not. your get your take on carried away here. Yeah, you know, you've written far more books than anybody probably will write younger than you. Yeah, I'm gonna be a lot of architecture books. But anyway, go on. So, <laughs> uh, so with uh, minimalism is obviously in vogue. We have, you know, you'd say the three biggest, four biggest architects are all minimalists. You know, right? And and throughout architecture, I guess we've gone in waves since World War II. But 
I think one of the things that made the Golden Age great was that we had different styles. You know, we had we had the steam yeah. shovel guys, and we had the the pure minimalists. I, you know, and you had your Perry Maxwell, and you had your Langford Moreau, Charles Banks. You know, where they were completely opposite styles. Do you, do you foresee right. a different style of architecture emerging? I think this is a question everybody's asking. Um. A different style. Uh, it's hard to see uh, us going back to uh, a Robert Trent Jones style or a, or a bombastic uh, uh, Desmond Muirhead kind of thing with mermaids or or even uh, uh, Fazio-type water-friendly and uh, framing-friendly and devoid of any interest uh, whatsoever strategically thing. I don't, I don't see that because um, there's just now too much awareness of architecture and how it impacts interest in the game. And, and there's too much interest now in the fun factor that it's really hard to see anybody saying, yeah, screw fun. We got to get back to, to getting courses that are rated uh, within, you know, that are rated a, an 80 and, and punishing people. And I mean, it could happen. I just don't see that just because there's now an awareness of, of that, that that really didn't age well or work well, those various movements. Uh, I would say the, the, it'll go the opposite direction of, of uh, I mean, there could be a movement of more Rainer style stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got template hole fatigue, as you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Template holes were great, great for correcting a bad direction, but now it's time to create the new template holes. So I, I would hope we'd see more. I think we'll just see it go in a direction of, of more outside the box thinking potentially of not set on 18 holes, not set on pars, getting to 70, um, uh, facilities, being reimagined uh, different ways with uh, taking 18 holes and lowering them to 12 and developing the other part to pay for it or to add a part three or to build a really great range. And I think we'll see more of that kind of what about, stuff um, than anything philosophic in the way of, of approach um, what about, uh, to design. I'm, what about like creating great golf from, you know, Nothing like like what we saw with dye and sawgrass. Say, do you think we'll see that ever come back? Like the, the you know, idea of uh, great. Tommy Nakarado and I are working on an article on on Santa Anita Golf Course uh, here in Southern California, which was a Works Progress Administration thing. And so the whole purpose of that was to get people working. And so they spent years building this course they dragged it out they talk about it in the articles and you go out there and talk about a dead flat site i mean we're talking dead flat it was a horse um, racing track correct it that's was the how original flat it site was of santa anita which we're going to explain in our our piece from mckeller and yes dead flat um everything around it yeah there might be a a, a, a tilt because of the san gabriel mountains to the property and and so great, but you can't tell it as a golfer. It's not like the tilt from top of the canyon to bottom of the canyon, Riviera or Rustic Canyon. It's it's in it's it's very slight. Anyway, 
so they spent all this time building it and it's not in very good shape right now, but it, it, it is a, it is just a true masterpiece of shaping and creating and showing how you can create something from nothing. And, but it took time and Ben Crenshaw, the first thing I ever said to me when I sort of asked him when he was out of Riviera and I was just a dumb young kid kind of watching this stuff and curious. And he just would always, yeah, I go, yeah, I'd ask something like, what's the most important thing? And he just, he always said time. And I'm like, what is this? What is he talking about time? And then, (laughs) and yeah, that's what he taught me about Riviera was even though Riviera was built fairly fast for the era, they spent so much time on each, on shaping all the features. And those features not only work for drainage and moving water and make the property functional, but they incorporated those into the design so that you, you have these, these great ground features that most golfers don't even notice, but they make it just a beautiful walk in the park. They make it interesting from a golf point of view. And when you go to Santa Anita, it just blows your mind how much dirt they move. All this, these great little swales, every hole's got something. And and yet most of the people play there are oblivious to it probably, but it just shows you that you can build something from nothing. You can build interest, but it takes time and, and it, and it can be beautiful and, and, and you don't need a ton of bunkers and, um, you know, it's just basically back to the old course, but that somebody did it who really didn't, had never built the course. And Tommy and I are still suspicious of the whole story of, of the architect. Um, we just, it, it's just too good. The, the work is too good to have been from somebody who didn't know what they're doing. Then again, Seth Rayner, you know, wasn't really a golfer. I don't believe he ever went to Scotland. No, um, he never did. And he built these, just, he built some of the most beautiful greens in golf. Um, and some of the coolest holes to play imaginable. And, um, they make you want to play the game. They make you want to hit a shot. And that's what's, what's great architecture does. So, you know what I love uh, most about Santa Anita is that they created all that mounding and then they routed the golf course over it. Yeah, no, it has a purpose. I mean, every, all of it has a purpose rather um, than, but like it feels like but, pushed but, out but, to but the most edges. People, you think that was all there. Yeah. You, you don't, you don't think it was man-made. <laughs> uh, and that's amazing, you know, that's, and that's the ultimate goal of any architect. But the problem is where we are now, everything's kind of in a hurry and most projects don't have the time to sit there and, and, uh, build something, move on to something else and come back and revisit it or massage it. They literally were being paid to drag it out. So they massaged every thing they built landform wise with, to make it look natural because they had time. So, Hey, let's, no, we, what are we going to do today? Well, you know, that mound, uh, it's, just, it's a little too pimply to me. Let's go, let's go play with that. And they did. So, um, it's, it's really fun to look at, yeah, but places, not many people are in our world or in, are in, are, are willing. They're in a hurry to get a course open and, and built. And, uh, so it's tough to convince a client to let you take the time. It's lost money, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, you understand it, but the, I, the the problem is the equipment now allows for things to be built faster, and uh, they didn't have the equipment to do that or the resources. It was it did they just they had to take more time in part because it just took longer whatever to refuel or to get 
get the water truck there or whatever it was. Um, so they spent more time fine tuning things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm, it'll be interesting. I hope I, I just, I'd like to see some different stuff, uh, come up. Well, you know? but I think it's stifled, you know, it's just, yeah, this was the argument you saw, as you know, with Brandel Shambly on the distance debate. Was, was he kept saying, "Well, just just you know, start from scratch and build something with eighty five hundred yards with the strategy." Well, you just it's just really hard I, to do I don't strategy. Like that. You know, um, nobody wants it. First of all, yeah, forget the walk in the park element. First of all, it's, it's hideous. The time, the the scale of it is awful. That's the other thing. People have just gotten so much more into this to a, a reduced scale, and and have become so cold so quickly to things that are just big and bloated and and not enjoyable walks, and to the point where they're willing to to to, to risk safety, uh, uh, you know, with proximity of greens and tees. Whereas when I started getting into this. It, and the ASGCA had strict guidelines on, you know, 150 feet. And, and it's why I always got annoyed at, at rustic because people would gripe about, there were the three long walks from green to tea at four to five and 12 to 13 and 17 to 18. I'm like, yeah, but we got away with some of the shortest green to tea walks. Anybody's done in modern golf, uh, that, that, that liability attorneys and or whoever, deals with that we're we're telling architects you couldn't do well people are now more tolerant of that and more appreciative of that and they're willing to 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 take the chance and um that changes the whole way the round goes as you know yeah yeah i mean it's just Something about there's just something so great about just walking right off the tee to uh, green to the next tee. There's just uh, yeah, it's an intangible. It's hard to describe. It just it it leaves more space for it leaves less space for rhythm to get disrupted. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it would be. It's like when you're listening to a great like record, like a great record, and you have to flip it. You yeah, know? yeah. No matter no, what, the, yeah, you get the pain. Get disru- yeah. the the whole experience gets disrupted. Right, and that's kind of I feel like. I mean, it's the same thing. What happens when you you got slow players in front of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a rhythm and a cadence and all that that's that's great. And when it's not great, people people notice it more now. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I, I wish somebody. It's amazing to me. Nobody's ever said. You know, the the, the client wanted me to do something like the old course, uh, and really try to just replicate. Some of just not all, but some of the things, the nuances and the quirks and the the uh, subtleties and and the craziness of that. No, 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 nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever commissioned that, which is weird to me. It is surprising, actually. Everybody talks about it, but nobody's ever tried to. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody's ever said, "Hey, build build a build me an out and back course, but just tons of strategy and uh, double greens and." Um, it's it's a little strange that that they haven't because I'm sure there have been some properties that were you said well this is the only way this works is if we kind of go out and back it's narrow at least in this part and you know you got to have a few double greens and and part of that was just liability again it was it was people were told you can't you can't have 
double fairways, joint fairways. And, and now people are building those again because somebody finally said, look, you know, we just have, we'll just make people sign something before they play and, um, and, and we'll, we'll do it. Um, I had to sign cool. something That's before neat. I played somewhere recently. I can't remember where. I should have made note of that. I don't know what I hmm. signed. I could have signed my my whole yeah, company. Yeah, I was away. just going to ask you. Did you read it? No, no. you didn't read it. <laughs> Fried Egg might be uh, owned by what, that what, golf what course. What would you like? What, what's that? Fried Egg might be, be, uh, be owned by some other golf course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you signed away. Well... So what would you, I mean, what do you, what's the thing to you that, that needs to, I, I, I don't know. I think it, I, I always think back, like Bill Core talked about Pete Dye and how, you know, Pete Dye changed architecture twice and what happened was everybody kind of followed and, and did what Pete Dye did, but just didn't do it as well. Right. You know, all the other architects. And I feel like we're in right. a similar situation here where we got like a, a game of follow the leader, like. You know, and I just I'm just waiting for somebody to do something different. You know, I don't know what it is. Well, yeah, he was responding to not liking Robert Trent Jones and stuff and loving links and loving his Langford and Barrow. And he and he was brilliantly sort of merging all those those uh, those kind of wacky things. And he was just crazy enough to try it. And that was great. I don't know what the res- the, the anti minimalist response would be something that's expensive bloated and and big and tacky and ugly and so that's the question um i, I mean does i it think, have I think, to be yeah. like mike i thought mike strance was pretty good maximalism you know there's yeah, stuff you can't like a combo you know there's yeah, like an artistic flair but but it was created you know yeah yeah um yeah, I, I think there are ideas out there. It's just will 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 somebody take the time? I mean, there's still a long way to go strategically. I, I don't think anybody's I mean, the idea that the fir- very first golf course ever really created uh, and massaged and and tinkered with to, to, to be what it is today is still the most strategic. Is a little embarrassing, I think, for the game. Um, I think that's it's it's weird. Uh, with knowing what we know and what we can do and the, with the tools that, that we don't have more uh, strategic holes or the courses are down to four or five holes. That that's not a, even a technology thing. There is a, there is a lack of time put into some of that, that kind of thinking. Um, but a lot of it too was just the erosion of width. And uh, now that we're kind of getting people back to wider corridors and being okay with that, maybe, maybe now we'll have, you know, more really crazy, uh, strategy holes where you could build something like the 12th at the old course. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and, and, and from day to day, your, your playoff the tee could be within an area of a hundred yards. Um, and, and totally different. Uh, although, yeah, just, uh, whether somebody wants to, to build that, and there's just not going to be the other thing is there's just not going to be that many new golf courses built. Yeah, I also like most of the building will be reimagining places. I'd love to see some like a a great golf course built on a site with with smaller scale, like in terms of the features. Right. Like I feel like everybody's oh, just going big, 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 uh, big yeah. and bold, 
and like the the charm and of like a a quirky course with small greens you know smaller bunkers that are you know yep. but like still having you know wonderful strategy like like a garden city pops to mind you know yeah where it's it, you know like there's something i really respect about those types of courses because when i look at it i think it's achievable for for all areas of the country because everybody's got an ordinary piece of land oh yeah i don't know that's... no shortage yeah no i think it's um i mean that's the thing you get at uh, king garrick the uh the, the in scotland the hickory course is just it's just this very small scale and smaller greens smaller bunkers and obviously much smaller drives and it's 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 just great it's just fun it's it's uh it's almost like like a you know mini uh, expanded backyard golf course you know you imagined uh playing and as a kid and it's just it's just it's it's so much better uh the walk is better the the conversation if you're playing with somebody's better um the flow the rhythm you get to the ball sooner all of it just 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 better and um I was having this conversation with uh, Hank Haney, who's who's pretty pro distance, uh, but but once he, uh, we were talking about twelve holes, and once he got in his head, he just kept repeating. He goes, "If if you started the game today, it'd be twelve holes. If you, <laughs> if somebody said, okay, here's the sport, and you'd go, yeah, it'd be it'd be twelve holes because it would compact the scale of things and the time and um, it, it, the cost and the, the land need and all that stuff." Um, so, uh, but we're not going to blow up the game and start from scratch, I, but I do think that, that, that the way society is going, it'll just, just people will just do projects that are, that are different that way. Yeah. I just, I need, I it'll need be, a five hole course, five hole course. Well, yeah. yeah. And you know, again, the more golf courses aren't, um, that are, that are struggling, aren't advertising, you know, the five hole evening set up that, uh, you know, we've got a five hole loop or whatever their loop is that works, uh, within reason to get you back to the clubhouse that, that there hasn't been that kind of thinking to just, just to keep people connected to the sport. Cause that's what a lot of people that, you know, who don't, who are a member of a club who can't go out and just play however many holes they feel like that, that you've got to find a way to, to cater to them that way. Um, yeah, like in my opinion, and, the, uh, the greatest thing about being a member at a club is the ability to go out and play three or four holes at six exactly. p.m. Oh, like, no question. Like no in, question. And the fact that no public golf course has figured that out really is crazy. Like I, you know, the high end resorts do it. Like Stream Song's got those like whiskey loops, and uh, I know Sam Valley's got a loop. You know, but nobody, none, of, none of the public golf courses have figured that out. No, no. Um, you'd think by now that there would have been a little more imagination, but it all takes is one. Um, you know, Michael Breed was telling me how his, his brothers come up with this concept of he, all these different things he's doing at his course. And, and one of them is um, uh, a concept of a day, I think, where the course is closed and you can rent a hole. And essentially people come out and I think it's and maybe on and maybe on Sundays. I don't know, but it, it, it's it's and it's they they picnic and they <laughs> yeah they 
they turned the facility into something else um, for just a day. And, but it keeps it relevant in the community. Uh, some people probably bring out their clubs and hit shots around the green and maybe they have a birthday party. I don't know, but, um, but it's just one of those little things. You're like, yeah, that's a great, great way to kind of let people know you're here and reimagine the course. And you know, there's all sorts of things out there where people are not being very imaginative about how to, how to either keep the, the, the course relevant in the, in the region or to just to keep it relevant to golfers. Yeah. It's, I mean, there are more. There are great stories. That does not, you know, there are places that are doing learning from uh, Goat Hill and and uh, and Winter Park. They're, they're happening, but they need to start happening really fast. And it's just so tough with municipalities and or public golf course owners that are just all all bottom line. And uh, it's it's tough. Yeah, to get them to understand these things, but. But they are more open-minded to it because they see where the things are headed. Yeah, at least now we have resorts that set deep, pretty good examples, you know? Yeah. that's. I, I think they're that kind helps. of like the innovators of golf development, you know? And, and then private clubs seem to follow line. Like, you're seeing more and more private clubs have short courses and, you know, innovative practice areas after the resort's got the short course kind of booming and uh yeah. and now and that, and then you know like all through golf history then the 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 municipalities follow after that but it could be 10 years you know yeah no it, it's it's happening um so it, it, it's just uh it, it just better happen faster yeah <laughs> all right i uh Sadly. You got you got important stuff to do. You, you don't need. To oh talk yeah, to me. I got a couple items to write to get yeah. some clicks. Uh, keep my my job. Yeah. Um, you, I'll uh, I'll let you go. You, you're they, everybody can read your uh, your writing at golfweek.com, jeffshackelford.com. dot uh, com. You got anything else going on? You're on Golf Channel, obviously, every Monday. Yeah, no, just uh, catching my breath from the end of the year and uh, enjoying that and enjoying kind of thinking ahead to next year for some uh, features for Golf Channel and uh, doing some writing. And I did, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to do some, some reflection before it all starts again, but I don't think it's enough, but it's it's uh, it's, it's nice to have it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I don't have any uh, uh, anything on the architecture side to, to to brag about but you never know there might be a few things and uh and then yeah can keep an eye out for the mckellar uh issue three we'll have our story on santa anita and it will not answer all questions but we're gonna at least tell the story and hopefully uh, bring a, a little more appreciation to that one or other you know there's so many great wpa projects that are now in kind of places that are in decline that are the bones there are so good and we need we need to, those are the places in the game that need the the urgent priority because they're usually centrally located, they're usually well done, usually have a great clubhouse architect, and it's like why are we why are we not making these places better? Um, so that's kind of the point of the story is to highlight just one example here in Southern California that also happens to have uh, just some masterful, masterful, amazing things that most people are totally oblivious to this it's a course that uh anybody in the la area should go see because it's 
When I went out there, thanks to Tommy's uh, recommendation, just I couldn't believe the stuff out there. So cool. And it's 30 bucks. Did you have an aerial? Did you have an old aerial with you? Uh, I did not. Okay. Oh, that'll make it, that'll, that'll blow your mind even more. Cause we had the photos out the other day and I, I, I had forgotten a couple of things that were just, just crazy good. And, um, I love and, that 10th hole. Yeah. And that had to be like, it's a, it's a short par four with a boomerang green with a big mound in the front. Well, the mound had a bunker cut into it, things like oh, that. Did? So the bunker's gone. Hey, it's still cool. The mound is still crazy and funny and wacky and, yeah. But yeah, it had a huge bunker cut into it, and it was like uh, even ten times crazier than than what you see now. Yeah, that's that. that place, um, things that like that. I mean, there there were yeah, just mu- yeah, so much cool stuff. Amazing green complexes, amazing little uses. Yeah, the swale. I mean, that's what you see out there. It's just like just a little a little grass, tightly mown grass swale that kind of meanders, or or in the rough doesn't have to be tightly mown, but. Um, which is a big part of Riviera to move water off, but it just, just breaks up the ground and it just, you know, so it's functioning and it just looks cool. And, and it's just, and then you get some side hill lies and, um, we've had, we were, the other thing we haven't gotten into is Santa, Santa Anita hosted a tournament, the Santa Anita open and Marty Fergal won one, uh, Marty, wait, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, Lloyd Mangrum won one, uh, and there's a legend that Hogan used to used to go there and practice in the wintertime uh, as like his prep place. Um, I, who knows? Maybe he knew somebody who lived out there. Um, and this may have been before he got really famous and big, but loved all the side hill lies, loved the 12th hole. Uh, so we, we don't know where these are coming from, but there are these little stories out there. So we're trying to find a few of those 12 i mean every three, course in the world seems to have a thing that well hogan loved or hogan <laughs> aimed at this or you know so i don't know how many of those are true i mean they they have him aiming at the third palm or something at la country club on the fifth hall well when he would have played there the palms wouldn't have been tall enough you know things like that you go come on <laughs> you know if hogan visited your golf course you've got some hogan there's story. a legend yeah exactly yeah <laughs> which is funny I mean, he's got yeah. two Hogan's Alleys. There's two Hogan's Alleys. No, Hogan's Alley is Riviera. That that name was that's yeah. The Colonials stealing that one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they say they, Hogan's they Alley. That. It's not fair. All right. All right. I'll uh, we'll talk soon, Jeff, and uh, enjoy right. enjoy the uh, enjoy the uh, fall season here. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait. It's here. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon.